Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. Hey, this is Mark. And before we start this episode, I have some very important business to handle here. A very big milestone is rapidly approaching the Entree Architect podcast. If you look at the number of this episode you're listening to, you'll know where I'm going. Episode 100 is only a few weeks away, and I want to make that episode the best one of all of them. So here's my idea. On episode 100, I want to feature the best guest yet. I want to feature you, the Entree Architect community. So here's my idea. Click on your voice memo app. On the iPhone, you'll find the voice memo app in the utilities group with your calculator and your compass. And if you have an Android, you're on your own. I don't know where you find it, but I know it's there. So click on that app, hold the phone up to your mouth like you're speaking on the telephone in order to ensure a nice, crisp, clean recording and record your answer to this simple question. What is the one thing that you did this year to improve your business, your leadership, or your life? Share what you know. I want you to share what you know. Share one tip, one technique, one system, or suggestion that made your world a little bit better this year. Record your answer to this question. What is the one thing that you did this year to improve your business, your leadership, or your life? And send that audio file to me by email at support at entrearchitect.com. And if you do this right now, before you start listening to this episode, episode 100 will be the best one yet. And I've already received a whole pile of uh, files. So if you sent me a file, thank you, thank you, thank you for contributing and giving back to the Entree Architect community. If you haven't yet sent me a file and you want to, and you should, and you know who you are, please do it today. It would mean so much to me. It'll be such a great episode. It's not hard to do. Just push the button, share what you know, and send it to support at entrearchitect.com. And I can't wait for episode 100 and hear your voice on the Entree Architect podcast. This is the Entree Architect podcast, episode 97. Welcome back to the Entree Architect podcast. My name is Mark Arlapage, and this is the podcast dedicated to a successful life as a small firm architect. Whether you have plans to someday start your own firm, whether you're in the process of launching a startup, or you might be an experienced small firm architect just trying to make a difference, this podcast is for you. 
My goal is to inspire you to build a better business so that you may pursue your purpose with passion and live the life of your dreams. We all have a story. We all have knowledge that we can we can share with the world. We're all experts at something. And I think we all have a book inside us that needs to be written. On this part three of the Entree Architect podcast field guide series, I welcome back to the show the founder of 30 by 40 Design Workshop and author of two self-published books, our friend Eric Reinholdt, this week on the Entree Architect podcast, we are exploring the world of self-publishing for small firm architects. This episode of the Entree Architect podcast is sponsored by ArcaSnapper, a great way to create and manage field reports. Learn more at EntreeArchitect.com slash ArcaSnapper. And FreshBooks, the easiest way to send invoices, manage expenses, and track your time. Learn more at freshbooks.com slash architect. Eric Reinholdt, welcome back to the Entree Architect podcast. Thanks, Mark. Glad to be here. Uh, it's good to have you back. Um, just in case anybody doesn't know who you are, you, you're, a, you're a, a familiar voice now on the podcast. You are an architect and the founder of 30 by 40 Design Workshop. You're based up in Maine at Mount Desert. Um, you're the author of two books now, The Unofficial Guide to House.com and uh, Architect and Entrepreneur Field Guide uh, for Branding, Building Branding and Marketing Your Startup Design Business. Uh, links to both of those books can be found at your website at 30by40.com. Uh, 30 uh, you also have a great blog at 30by40.com. Uh, it's spelled out 30by40, all spelled out in words, .com slash blog. We'll get you to the blog. And uh, you have some great resources there. You have great resources for both architects and clients. Uh, a lot of great videos. You, you do some, some really great videos. So if anybody's sort of looking for some inspiration on how to do videos, uh, check out 30by40.com slash blog. So I'm not going to get into your origin story. If anybody wants to know who you are and where you've come from and all the, your background, I, I suggest that they go back to episode 84. You can go to entrearchitect.com slash episode 84. It'll take you right there. Um, first three time guest. That's pretty cool. <laughs> it's an honor. Uh, yeah, it goes thanks. down in history as the first three time guest. Um, the, uh, the first one was episode 84 building branding and marketing your startup design business. So we, we talked about, um, how to get a startup started and how to build it and brand it. And it was a pretty great conversation and that sort of inspired this field guide series. And we started, uh, Made, we made it into a series with episode 89 where we talked about passive income for small firm architects. So these are all really sort of nitty gritty, uh, great topics to talk about. On this third episode of the Entree Architect podcast field guide series with you, Eric Reinhold, we're going to talk about self-publishing for small firm architects. A, a man who has done this twice now uh, in the process of, of putting together a third book um, with with this ever expanding knowledge of the of the publishing industry i i wanted to to bring you back here and talk about how other architects can do what you're doing so uh so what do you think does that sound like a, a good plan it does yeah no i have uh, i have some knowledge to share and i'm happy to help other architects that's kind of been my goal with this whole series so yeah happy to talk about it yeah this will be fun so so um let's start with um the first book the first book that you wrote was uh, The Unofficial Guide to House.com. It's, it's a great book. If anybody who's looking for information and answers about how to get noticed on House.com and how to sort of optimize your, your, uh, your profile on House.com, it's a great book. It's a great way to start. You can get that on Amazon.com or you can go over to 30by40.com and get it there. But what was your inspiration for that book? What's sort of what was the thing that, that – Okay, I'm going to write a book. And uh, first, why why did you write a book? And number two, why did you pick how as the subject? Well, I figured um, you know it's, this sort of fits into my entire business model. Um, you know, when I research topics, when I'm doing things for the business, um, 
you know, I'm always looking for ways to sort of repurpose that content for other uses. And this was basically a, a need that arose of, of my own. I was sort of scratching my own itch. You know, I had to figure out when the, I opened 30 by 40 in, in uh, sort of mid-2013, and I, you know, was trying to figure out how to, how to best market my business. You know, I'm in a rural place. Um, I'm practicing simple modern architecture, and so I have to figure out how I'm going to get these, these clients to me. And so House was a natural fit for me to do that. Um, great sort of social media marketplace. Um, and so what I did was begin digging in, figuring out really, okay, so what's the best way to make use of this platform? And all the lessons that I learned along the way, I sort of kept a series of notes and uh, this notebook turned into an outline, which turned into a book. I thought, you know, if this is a problem that I have, this is surely a problem that other architects are struggling with um, and interior designers and you know, it's a huge, a huge marketplace, and there's a lot of people involved in House, um, and a lot of people trying to figure out how do they actually rank in search on House. You know, how do I use this to to best effect? And um, so, I think you know, as you look at any sort of book and nonfiction books in particular, you know, books solve problems, and so. I knew that if this was a problem that I had, this was probably a problem other people had. And writing a book is an easy means of sharing your ideas and strategies and tips with with other people. And so that was the sort of the genesis of, of the idea, it, it, taking this content and tricks and strategies that I had figured out and putting it out there to help other people. Um, and it was, I would say, it was a, a good success. You know, I learned a lot just writing the book um, and publishing it and then I got a lot of great feedback from people who have read the book and continue to read the book and, and put it to use. So I want to get into all of the details of that because I think that's 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 really interesting. I want to I want to just go back real quickly to the fact that your your studio is based on an island, a rural mm -hmm. island. And so uh, you started this idea uh, about house to just to get noticed. Right, just mm -hmm. to just to get your your name out there, to get your studio recognized for doing simple modern architecture, I I get that question all the time at Entree Architect. Um, I have a rural studio. I have nobody around me. How do I get noticed? So there there you go. That's the first lesson that you can take away from this episode is is to pick a pick a social media platform. House is a great one to start with because that's where our clients are looking for these things. And go optimize that. Go go get noticed there first, and then from that with Eric, it it it, it evolved. It just kept growing and growing, and it got to the point where he learned how to do what he needed to do. He got really good at it, um, and he took it to the next level. He took all of that information that he learned and he put it together as a book. And now he's getting noticed through the book because now he's an expert on how. So people who are looking for house information, he's find they're finding him there as well. And so that's a great takeaway. Um, that's even separate from the publishing end, but just how to get noticed with a rural studio is a question that I get all the time. So I just wanted to point sure. that out. Um, so how long did it take you to write that first book? Um, you know, it's, I can't say that I put a concerted effort into sort of making daily progress, which now I have a writing habit um, that evolved sort of as another aspect of working with House um, because I began writing for House so that became a daily habit of mine but I think you know the initial book putting that together it's um, you know it's it's less than a hundred pages and so I would say some total of maybe three or four weeks to do that um, so n not entirely long and and what I would say is and we'll probably get into this you know as we move forward Mark but you know, your first, the first book that you publish is not going to be, you know, it's not going to be, it's not going to win a Pulitzer Prize. You're, you're, you really want to get in the habit of writing and publishing and, and putting these things out there so that you can learn. And, you know, the, the first book was a huge learning experience for me, both from an editing standpoint and a publishing standpoint and a content standpoint. And I, and I did actually republish that book a couple of times to sort of make up for some things that were, were missing and some, you know, editing errors and things like that. So I think, you know, anyone who's, who's thinking about, who's contemplating this and saying, oh, geez, I, I can't write a book, it's going to take too long or it's too much effort, should just sort of knuckle down and do it um, because you're going to learn so much in the process um, along the way. You just have to publish something. You have to get it out there, um, and and you can do it actually in in under a week time. You know, I mean, I think the the 
this image of someone toiling away, you know, at a desk by candlelight, writing a book for years at a time. It's just that it's just false. It's it can take the thing about self-publishing is it can take as long as you want it to take. So it can take a week, it can take a month, it can take six months. Um, but the schedule is up to you. Um, and, and once you develop a writing habit, and as we can talk about later, I think it just becomes that much easier to do. Yeah, that's great advice is, is, to, is to just do it. It's, it. We're not writing a novel here. We're writing a mm -hmm. simple book that you want to get self-published. And so uh, getting it out there is, is important. Entree Architect started the same way. It was for years I kind of struggled over how am I going to do this and why am I going to do this and when I'm going to do this. And, and finally just one weekend I said, okay, I'm just going to do this. <laughs> and I put together the the blog and I launched it and then and then from there I improved it and I I helped grow it and and, and look at where it's taken us now. So um, as you go back and read those posts, exactly. Like, what do you think? I mean, I right. I look at my first videos, I look at my first blog posts. It's like, oh, really? You know, those are hard to look at, but they're way in the past because I've been publishing consistently every single week since then, and so those are buried, you know. And I've exactly. gotten that much better at my craft by just actively doing it every week. Right, and, and the, the rule to learn and to remember is progress, not perfection. Mm -hmm. It's progress, not perfection. It's, it's just keep moving. It's, you wanna have small victories. Every day, have another small victory toward the big goal that you wanna accomplish. Don't sure. worry, don't get overwhelmed with this idea, oh, I'm gonna write a book. How am I gonna write a book? Just every day, just sit down and write. And that's a thousand how you're gonna, words every day. write a book. Yeah, I think a thousand words every day in in twenty or thirty days, a month's time, you have a nice short book. You know, it doesn't have to be an eighty thousand word book. I mean, that's you know, if you look at a standard length book, maybe eighty to a hundred thousand words, it doesn't have to be that. It really doesn't. People are used to consuming shorter form content now, and you know, especially for architects, if we can add in some imagery and things like that, you you can have a book in a relatively short period of time. Yeah, the other thing you mentioned was that you scratched your own itch. And so that also helps because you, you are already doing the work. You're already scratching your own itch. You're already solving the problem for yourself. You're becoming an expert for your own knowledge. And so you're not reinventing anything. You're not going out and saying, okay, I'm gonna write about you know X, Y, Z, and I'm gonna have to do all this research to learn about this so I can write right. about it. You're not doing that. You're, you're starting with something you already know. So what are you good at? What are you already an expert at? write about that and just right. do that write write a book about that and then from that point you can you can go through the process of getting it published and then if you want to take it to the next level with another book you've learned from that you can learn from your mistakes and learn from your 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 victories and go do it again and do it again and do it again if you even look at look at the the best authors out there look at Stephen Covey's books the first books his first book is you don't even know what his first book was Mm -hmm. um, Stephen Pressfield, same thing. You don't even know what his first book was. It's, it's buried in all of the others, and it's covered right. by the books that that are are now famous and and popular. That's uh, right. So so that's a great that's a great lesson to scratch your own itch, and to and to just do it. Um, that's how that's how the second book came about too. Architect and entrepreneur was scratching that itch too. You know, at the time I was writing for House and I was doing some sort of professional. Uh, pieces they wanted to develop a, a whole professional series of writing uh, that was catered directly toward architects and interior designers and so you know I started writing these pieces which eventually framed you know formed the the basis for architect and entrepreneur so again I was sort of scratching my own itch I was figuring things out along the way and I and I thought hey if I have these problems other people have these problems too and you know why not write about it why not share it so that we can all learn from it and the profession is sort of you know, better for it. And I, and I think that that has proven to be really successful for me. And I think, you know, any author looking to, to write a book, solve, pick a problem, solve the problem. Your, your book is the sort of solution to the problem. Yeah. The, the, and you didn't, you did this all by yourself, right? You didn't have a team of researchers and people helping right. you do this. You just, you just did this yourself. And you That's did right. this as a full-time architect running a studio, designing architecture, because that's another question I get all the time. How do I find time to do this? So how did you find time to do this? <laughs> it's so funny. I, I mean, everyone asks that. What? Oh, you can't possibly fit this in among all the other things. And the way that I did it was just to get up early. So, um, And I know this doesn't work for everybody, um, but you have to sort of pick your most creative time. 
and dedicate that toward the writing. And for me, it was getting up at like 4, 4.30 in the morning, and it's still something that I do. That's a habit that persists to this day. Um, and so if you're able to do that, you know, you have a full-time work schedule, you have clients to meet, you have contractors to meet, job sites to visit. That stuff happens at a very set period of time, you know, between eight and three or four, whatever it is. Um, and so those tasks obviously have to fit in there. So I take the time before that, before the kids get up, before the school routine happens to write. And, you know, my, my minimum writing habit now is a thousand words a day, but if you're really putting uh, a lot of effort into it, you can get up to four or 5,000 words a day. And there's, you know, there's obviously secrets to doing that too. But, um, you know, for people who say they don't have the time, cut out watching TV, cut out doing, you know, it's hard to make time. I get it. And people have busy lives. But if this is a priority for you and you want to make it happen, you really have to find the time to do it. And, you know, I think there are either hacks like, you know, using a voice recorder to, if you, if you have trouble sitting down at a desk and, and writing, you know, a thousand words, that seems really intimidating to you. Take your phone and talk into your phone, sort of narrate that. And then you can actually get a transcription service to transcribe it for you and turn that into text. And then you have this sort of working framework for the book. I mean, there's all sorts of, you know, means available for you to fit this into your schedule and make it happen. And like I said, it doesn't have to be that long. You know, if you, if you dedicate yourself to writing a thousand words a day for 20 days you'd have a small book i mean that it's totally possible anyone can do that yeah and 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 you don't even need to do a thousand words you can do 500 words and you can just sure. sit you can just sit down every morning and and 500 words is is not difficult and and, and another thing i wanted to ask you if you do this every day a thousand words a day and you're not you're not writing a book a thousand words a day right you're just sitting down and writing a thousand words a day whatever comes to mind right I, I, I mean, currently I'm working on a book, so it's writing and editing and retooling, yeah. um, but it's a habit that persists even when I'm not writing a book. And so I have, I mean, I think architects have millions of ideas bouncing around, right? You have ideas for plans, you know, project ideas, furniture ideas, whatever it is. Um, for me, so a lot of those ideas are book ideas. And so I keep Evernote files for books that I'm sort of constantly working on. Some of those will never see the light of day. I'm, I'm quite certain of it. Um, but that writing habit for me is really important because it takes the things that are in my head and puts them on paper. It helps, you know, writing is a process of articulating ideas. And for me, um, you know, that's really, it can really transform those ideas and, and in a way that I, I can't do any other way. It's sort of like sketching, you know, Sketching transforms the idea in your head into a physical reality. And writing is the same way uh, for me. And I find it to be sort of cathartic. And um, I, I find that I'm a happier person having done that every day. So it's, it's a habit that I yeah, really enjoy. It's a great habit. And, it, and the reason I bring up that you don't have to write to, toward the book is because very often, because I do that, I do a 500 words a day. Okay. Yeah. And, and I just write whatever comes to my mind. And sometimes, the, and very often, those 500 words lead to a blog post mm -hmm. or those 500 words lead to what I'm going to write in the newsletter. Uh, or sometimes it's nothing. Sometimes it's just 500 words of babble. You know, it's mm -hmm. just, you know, my thoughts that are in my head at that point and just I write 500 words. And if you do it every day, it becomes this habit that you just do. It's just part of what you do. But what, what, um, what's really interesting is very often when you're not re writing toward a specific goal like you are with the book, those ideas be are, are the seeds that are already in your head. Become, they get planted mm -hmm. in words. And, and by doing that, they, they start blooming and they start becoming these other things. And it's amazing that yeah, you sit down with nothing in your head, or you, at least you think you have nothing in your head, and you start writing. And all of a sudden, these amazing things start coming out of your head. And, and it makes everything else that you're doing easier. So maybe it's a design for one of your architecture projects, or maybe it's a, an idea for a passive income product, or maybe it is toward a book, um, or maybe it's a blog post that you want to write for, for your blog or some social media post that you want to do. It's just a, it's a habit that can create content uh, and create information for other, other people. Uh, so it's a great habit to get into. I love that you know you brought up design brought design into that because there are a lot of times if I'm stuck on a design problem, writing can help me sort of work my way through it, and uh, I I just love that. I mean, it's really powerful vehicle for you know professing ideas and concepts, and um, it it sort of 
lifts you from one place to another. I, I, I love that about writing. So what, what kind of tools are you using to write? What are you writing with? You're writing into, into Evernote? Um, I, I keep topic ideas in Evernote, but I just write um, in Word. Mm -hmm. That's it. I okay. mean, it's as basic and as dumb as it gets. And I, you know, there are higher level tools, tools like Scrivener right. um, that you can use. But really what I, you know, Microsoft Word works so well with Amazon, which is the main selling platform, um, that I don't see a reason not to use that. It's just like whatever the lowest friction um, software is in front of me, that's what I would use. Right. Um, and every one of us know that. that. So yeah. it's not like you have to learn like Scrivener. I have Scrivener and I've used it. But you have to learn how to use Scrivener right. to, to really to use it effectively. I mean, you could sit down and write right away, but it has so many bells and whistles that you don't right. even know where to start. Um, there's other products like Byword and other, other apps like that that basically s blank out everything on your screen except for the words you're writing. And so if you are easily distracted, that's a great tool. It's a product called Byword, and there's other ones that do the same thing. Um, but that's that's a, another suggestion is that if you are going to write when you're writing those 500 words or those thousand words make sure everything is turned off make sure all of your notifications are turned off make sure your yes. email application is turned off make sure social media is turned off because it is very very easy to be distracted and pulled away from what you're doing and that habit gets gets sort of eaten up if you're not focused on on doing it every day so make sure part of that habit is to shut everything off before you start Right. Yeah. And there's, um, I was using for a long time this, um, site called focus at will where they've sort of designed this, uh, oral experience, um, that you plug headphones in and they, um, pump this music, in, um, you listen to this music and it sort of helps you focus on these things. It's supposed to be designed to help you do that. And I found that really great because it starts off with this sort of meditation bell and it says you, you get this sort of sense that, okay, it's time to write. And so, it, whatever habit you establish, it, whether it's turning notifications off or a bell in your ear or some sort of sort of um, classical music, that's the thing that triggers your your brain into saying, "Okay, time to write and time to do my thousand words or five hundred words, whatever it is." So, yeah, I love that. Yeah, that's a good suggestion. I, one of the things that that another habit that I've started is meditation, and I meditate for at least ten minutes, usually longer than that, but at least ten minutes a day, and that I do that just before I write. And so I sit down and I nice. and I meditate and I use a, an app called Headspace mm -hmm. that sort of guides you through the the meditation, which is really easy uh, to sort of follow his his guidance and just do what he tells you to do and 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 you get good at it and 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 then it becomes a habit. And then when I'm finished with that, I write, and it's sure. sort of all part of that process. And so yeah. uh, setting up those cues like like with your music and that the bell is a good way to, to sort of tell your brain that okay. It's time to write. This is the habit, and you do it over and over again, and it becomes something that you you just do. It's not right. it's not a struggle anymore. Let's take a quick break here to say thank you to ArcaSnapper and FreshBooks for their support as platform sponsors of Entree Architect. Because as platform sponsors, these companies have provided funding and support for our overall mission to become an influential force in the profession of architecture. They recognize the need for small firms to build better businesses in order to be better architects. And I want to say thank you. ArcaSnapper is a simple tool for creating and managing field reports. With ArcaSnapper, architects draft field reports on-site using their phone or tablet. ArcaSnapper is easy to use and it saves a lot of time. I put ArcaSnapper to the test myself and I love it. Once I set it up and I understood all the features and how it works, it's become a part of my regular workflow at project meetings. I take notes, I shoot photos, I sketch my thoughts right on top of the photos, and it's all automatically uploaded to the cloud. Once I get back to the studio, I log in at my desktop, click a button, and my field report is ready to go. ArcaSnapper, grow your business instead of struggling with field reports. If you want to learn more about ArcaSnapper and get a, th a free 30-day trial, visit entrearchitect.com slash ArcaSnapper. And FreshBooks, you've heard me over and over again say profit, then art. The systems are what make a difference in a well-functioning, profitable firm. Mastering some of the less creative tasks, like staying on top of our invoices and tracking our time, is a really crucial part of running our firms. And this is where FreshBooks, our friends and our platform sponsor, can help in a big way. 
FreshBooks is the amazingly simple invoicing solution perfectly suited for creative professionals who need to focus on their work and not their paperwork. Creating and sending invoices, tracking your time, and managing your expenses will become the easiest part of your day, and you'll probably end up wondering why you didn't start sooner. If you have questions, help is free, forever. And you can always count on FreshBooks award-winning support rock stars to go above and beyond whatever you need, anytime. And I tested them myself. They answered my call on the first ring, and I had my issue resolved within minutes. It was beautiful. To try FreshBooks free for 30 days, just go to freshbooks.com slash architect and enter Entree Architect in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Um, could you go through the steps that you've taken sort of in a basic outline of what it took from getting those outline notes uh, into a published book? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I, I kind of divide the steps into eight primary points. Mm-hmm. Um, so first is the topic selection. And as we talked before, you know, there's lots of ways to select a, t- a topic. Um, but for the most part, if you're writing nonfiction, nonfiction solves problems. So you're going to find a problem, you're going to propose a solution, and your book is going to act as the journey between the problem and the solution. So whether it's told in narrative form or through images or short phrases, um, you know, that's the basic idea. You know, what, what do clients ask you most? Like that could be a topic that you could work with. You can search Amazon or Google, YouTube, um, you know, look for pain points and problems as, as we've been talking about, you know, look for similar books in, in your niche and look for two and three star reviews, kind of see what the shortcomings of those other, other books are. You can troll like house boards or Quora, Facebook, um, but basically, you know, from topic selection, then you're going to take that topic and you're going to outline, create a basic outline. And the outline is going to become a sort of chapter listing for the book. Um, you know, you can look to other, if you're looking at other books in, in the topic area, you can check out their table of contents, see how other people have organized the information. And again, think about it critically and think, okay, is this the right way to present this topic? Are there more things that you know, I could, I could explore here. And my basic advice here is to try, instead of going a mile, mile wide and an inch deep, I would go an inch wide and a mile deep. So you're going to take this outline and really flesh out all there is to know about it. And that'll keep your book sort of succinct and really focused on one idea, um, you know, this solution to this problem. From there, as we've been talking, you want to schedule it. So step three is to schedule time for writing every day. You know, try and write a thousand words per day. Um, aim for you know a month's time, twenty to thirty thousand words. I think that's a pretty good goal for your first book. That's that's a reasonable goal. And then you know, number four is just write. And there's if you're not used to writing, it's it can be a pretty painful process. Um, and I, I think about you know Kurt Vonnegut, um, the author, mm-hmm. sort of dis- divides writers into sort of two categories. One is a basher, and the other is a swooper. And the basher is someone who sits down and writes and tries to make every sentence, you know, absolutely every sentence perfect. You know, retools and crafts everything. Whereas the swooper comes in and just writes stream of consciousness, gets it all on paper. Um, and I would say you should try and be more of a swooper than a basher um, so that you can get these ideas out. Yeah, just and write then, whatever comes to your mind and don't try right. to craft it. Go back and craft it. Just, just you know, take everything that's on your head, in your head, and just flush it out onto the paper. That's right. Yeah. So then, you know, the next step is, step five is to rewrite it. So you're going to have to take that first draft and just you know recognize the fact that it's just it's not going to be good. It's it, you're not, there's no way you can get the right words on the page the first time around. Right. And, it, and it shouldn't be good. The goal should be that it's just information. That's right. You should yeah. not try to make it good on the first round. That's what the that's what the next step is for. And that rewrite is to take that and start polishing it. Right. And then you know beyond that, step six would be to edit and proofread. And editing is its own can of worms here. Um, two cents per word is a common editing rate for a professional editor. Um, and so if you take a 30,000-word book, you know, you're starting to invest some cash into this. So $600 maybe, maybe more, uh, depending on how good of a writer you are. Um, so professional editing service, if you can afford it. If you're not into that, you can use services like um, Editor. That's a inexpensive software program that's a much higher level editor 
and grammar checker than you'll get with Microsoft Word. Like you really just can't rely on the tools that are in Microsoft Word, the, the free tools. They're, right. they're not going to be sophisticated enough to work from an editing standpoint. And, you know, editing is really important. It's, it's the thing that can really sink you on Amazon. Um, people are... Readers on Amazon are really picky, obviously, um, and they should be. You know, you're, you want to write a quality book, and editing um, is a big part of quality in the end. Um, so you can also use tools like Hemingway and Grammarly to help you out with the editing and proofreading. You know, rely on your friends and family. Maybe you know someone who's a writer can help you out with these things. Um, and there are some other techniques you can use too, but obviously you need to spend time editing and proofreading, and you might need to spend a little money. If you that. if you did want to hire a professional editor, uh, where do you find that person? Well, so you can find them on in the online marketplaces, um, and I, I'm happy to provide people with links to those things. Um, one of the resources that I really like is the Creative Pen, the CreativePen.com. And she lists a whole host of editors um, that she's used in the past. So she's a self-published author. She has her own podcast. Um, and so I've actually used some of her resources. She's got about you know, a dozen or so mm -hmm. uh, editors that she likes to work with. And um, so I think that's a good place to start. Um, and obviously, places like um, Amazon and CreateSpace, you know, these online publishers, they have resources too. They're actually quite a bit more expensive mm -hmm. than going with sort of freelance editors. Um, so I'd you say can, start it. You can also use Upwork, which is the, used to be called Odesk yes, uh, and sure. Elance merged and now it's Upwork. Uh, and Upwork has not only, you know, programmers and designers and all kinds of engineering kind of things, but they also have a whole section on writing. And so there are there are writers and there are editors and, and there are people there as well that, that you can uh, you know you might save some money. They may not be as high quality as somebody who is a professional editor that's yes. that's you know that's doing this for a living. But it it the the goal is to get a second set of eyes, but from a person who knows what they're doing, that's knows, right. who knows how a book should work because because editing isn't necessarily about finding the errors, although they do that as well. But they're also sort of uh, allowing the book to flow. They're saying, mm -hmm. okay, this sh is flowing into this, and this is flowing into that, and maybe this paragraph shouldn't be here. It should be over here because it doesn't make any sense where it is. And those are things that you don't, as the writer, always see because you're so in into it that an editor who knows how a book should be put together can help you with that. That's right. Yeah, the, the hard part about those services, Mark, are you really have to know what you're asking for. You know, There's a difference between line editing and copy editing and proofreading. And those nuances can, you know, they mean different things to different people. So you just have to be careful with that. I would say for, you know, the first time author, self-published author, that, um, you know, you try and give it a go at, at your, by yourself and try and make use of some of the programs out there. And then you're going to have to do, you're going to have to rely on some after publication editing um, mm -hmm. because you'll flag errors and you'll see things will come up and people readers will tell you what's wrong with the book. Yeah, so that's good advice. So so write the book. Do get when you get to the editing part, use some of those software tools. Just just go you go through that process and get it out there and get it published. And then as you learn, as you get feedback, then you can you can edit and republish and edit and republish because it's a digital book that we're talking about here. That's um, right. And so and and you can also we can get into this, but you can also have hard copies printed from those digital books. Right. Um, yep. And so, what's the next step after editing? So, so there's two, only two more steps. So the the next step is the cover design and formatting. So cover design, you know, like it or not, we all judge books by their covers, and you want your cover to fit in. You don't want it to stand out from the niche that you're selling in. So you want your book to look like the other books that are in the marketplace. You know, if yours looks poorly designed, if it sticks out because of its design, that's a bad thing. Um, and so some of the things that you can use to help you with this are, you know, pre-designed templates. Um, there are the bookdesigner.com has templates for this. Is it um, the bookdesigner.com? That's right. Yep. Okay. And he offers both interior and exterior formatting templates, really affordable, you know, I, I think it makes sense to just purchase one of those just so you can have it. You know, they're they're less than a hundred dollars each. Um, you can also you can head back to the ninety nine designs um, to to get your covers designed there. Um, they'll hold sort of competitions for you, um, and that's got a minimal fee. Um, and the the one resource that I really like is the creativeindie.com. 
And he offers a set of free templates if you sign up for his email list. There's some great book covers. Um, he's a book cover designer himself, and he offers these free templates for you to use um, for both digital formats and then as we'll get into, you know, some of the print-on-demand formats, too. So and that's... Creative that's, Indie is I-N-D-I or I-N-D-Y? I-N-D-I. I-N-D-I. I-N-D-I-E. <laughs> oh, I-N-D-I. Okay. Yeah. I'll, actually, all of these resources will be on, this, on the show notes. I know we're talking about a lot of different resources here, so right. uh, I hope you're not you know, scrambling to write all these down. Just go to episode uh, 97, entrearchitect.com slash episode 97, and I'll have all the links there. But you need a good, good looking cover and your interior needs to be formatted in a certain way. Uh, so digital books don't have, you know, page numbers, obviously, because people can change the font size and the pagination. It happens at the device level. Uh, print books are a little bit different, so you'll need different, you know, templates for those things. It's all really doable and totally easy. I don't want people to be intimidated by this. You know, it's setting up a basic template in Word is super easy to do. Um, so just a, a que question on the cover. Um, is this something that we should design ourselves or we should have somebody else design this? I mean, I designed my covers and personally, I think they look like I designed them. So if you can afford a professional to do it, you know, do you, you think they I mean, you said that the book is going to be judged by its cover. So, um, 99 designs is like less than a thousand dollars, you know, depending on what level you do could be a $500 investment at the lower level. Um, is it worth doing something like that to, to get a, a, a higher quality? Cause I architects are so often, I mean, every architect designs their own logo and some of them are great and some of them are horrible. Mm -hmm. Um, it would, it would, would it be a good investment to, uh, stick to the buildings and let a graphic designer design the, uh, the cover of the book? <laughs> the bootstrapper in me would say no design you should yourself. design it yep. design it yourself because i mean this is all an experiment right you yes. don't know if just that's good advice yeah so you know if i can limit my investment up front um if it really becomes an issue for me i think i would i would probably pay for the design like if i really got stuck on the design i'd probably pony up and pay for the design but if i have the skills to do it i'll probably put something out there and i think it you know, just look at the other covers in in the market that you're trying to sell to. I don't actually think it's too hard to sort of imitate some of the things that are happening yeah, there. That's good. If you yeah. have any graphic design skills whatsoever, and actually, if you download some of those templates from the Creative Indie, there's lots of uh, sort of little techniques that you can capitalize on that will make your book look like the other books in, right. in your genre. So I would say that's where you should start. Yeah, um, and that's and that's very good advice. It, it's is we need to to remember that. You know, this is this is not only a passion project. This this is a profit project, and so so the less you spend up front, the potentially the more you can make at the back end. Used to, like text text on on a book cover, on a you know colored background like that. So that's what I've done for the most part. That works remarkably well. Okay, it's simple. Yep. Just make make some graphic element sing there, and I think you have a cover. Yeah, um, and your covers look great. So it's it's oh, it works. <laughs> the the final step, and this is the most critical, is to actually publish it. You know, so many people have texts that just languish and they're never published. You know, you can write and rewrite and you know fine tune, ad infinitum. You, it can just last forever. Publish the book. You have to put it out there. You'll never know what's wrong with it until people start reading it and start commenting on it, and then that gives you the framework to make it better, to make the next book better. Um, and so that's, while that's the final step to, publishing is the final step to getting it out there, it's actually just the beginning of the next series of steps, which is marketing, which is another whole topic. Yeah, but what, before we, we can maybe touch on that because we're, we're running, running out of time here, but because maybe we can have you come back and talk about marketing it. Um, but but um, how do you publish it? I mean, once you have this manuscript, you have it all written in Word and you have it edited and it's all ready to go. You have the book cover you know, print or, or designed, you have all this information, what do you do? How do you get it on Amazon? So, um, yeah, I'll just step back, you know, 
I mean, obviously, Amazon is the place you're going to publish it. So these things apply specifically to Amazon. Right. Uh, the iBook store, so Amazon has 60% of the market. The iBook store has like 20% of the digital book market. And that's Apple, and, Apple's marketplace. That's right. Yeah, Apple's. And then uh, Barnes & Noble is something like 15% of the market. So you're going to focus on Amazon. And all you need for Amazon is you can either upload the Word file directly, and their Kindle converter converts it for you. Mm -hmm. Or you can upload um, a, a PDF, for example, you know, or a felt, filtered web page. So it's like very simple to get it out of Word. You just do a save as filtered web page, upload it to the, to the KDP. So you're going to use on Amazon site, the portal that you're going to use is KDP. So it's Kindle Direct Publishing. And that's, you're going to sign up for a free account there. You're going to log into that. You're going to start, you know, create a new book and you're going to give it a title subtitle, keywords, categories. There's a whole list of things that you fill in. But, and they but walk you right through step they, by it's step. It's a wizard, yeah. It's, yep. it's um, you know, there are specifics that you need to know with each one of those things. You know, for example, ranking the, putting the book into categories is really important. Figuring out what keywords you want people to find your book using, really important. Um, and those things, you know, it, it's hard to get into a lot of detail here, but um, each one of the steps in the wizard um, walks you through the necessary information. So they, um, Amazon wants you to publish. They've made it really easy to publish on this platform. So you're going to take your cover image. You'll upload the image. It's just like uploading a file to to an email as an email attachment. It's the same exact process. So you're going to upload your Word file, upload your image file, set the price, press publish. And what they do from that point is they basically review the book for content. Uh, they want to make sure it's a quality book. And so their internal review process is somewhat of a mystery to me. Uh, but in general, the book will be turned around for publication in less, my experience is less than six hours. Wow. That's, that's, so it's, you write it and you push, put it up there and the next day it's out there. That's right. And yeah. then, and then the work begins. <laughs> then you have to sell it. I mean, that's the difference between self-publishing and traditional publishing. The traditional publisher is doing all the marketing for you. You know, they're great at selling yeah. paper. That's their business model. But self-publishing, it's up to you. Right. Amazon, Amazon will sell it for you, but they're not going to market it for you. That's right. Um, yeah. And so, but, and that's a pretty deep subject. And I think it's probably a subject that we can spend an entire episode on. So maybe if you're interested, mm -hmm. we can come back and do part two of the books series of the field guide series. Uh, and we can go through step by step on how you marketed your books and how people can do that. Um, what before we before we wrap, we'll go into the marketing and how you did that. But let's talk money a little bit, um, if you if you're willing to. Sure. You know how much did it cost you to put the, the book together on the front end, and then about approximately how much are you making per month on a single book? I mean, let's let's use the first book as an example because that's what people are we're going to do is their first book. Okay, so first book um, upfront costs probably a no. hundred dollars. Ballpark. Okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it was nothing, Mark. It was. It's hard to account for your time, obviously. Um, yeah, right. You know, if I'm not working in the business, if if I'm taking time away from the business, then that's, you know, that's a different calculus. Right. So but less it less than a hundred dollars out of pocket. Yeah, because I designed the cover myself. You know, I spent time researching how to do all these things, but really the the costs are are super minimal. I mean, it's it's you're investing some some resources in in writing the thing and maybe on some software, but you know, it's that's pretty minimal. Um and then in terms of revenue on the back end, so what I'll say is when you price things on Amazon, they have a very specific price anchor. They want your book to be priced for the most part, between $2.99 and $9.99. And that, if you if you use those price guidelines as an author, you get a 70% royalty. So it they're really incentivizing that. Anything outside of that, those price limitations are subject to a 35% royalty. So you know, you want to be in that sweet spot, $2.99 to $9.99. So you're actually making more money by pricing the book lower. That's right. Yeah. And so yep. And so that book, um, you know, there's lots of frameworks for marketing things, and one idea is to offer a book for free for a while. And so what I did was offer that book for free as I was just getting getting it out there. You know, I wanted to get it into the, the most number of people's hands as I possibly could. And so, um, 
offering it for free, obviously you're not making any royalty on it. Um, and with time, um, if you take a free book and transition it into a paid book, you can slowly raise the price over time. And what that does is it helps you in Amazon's ranking algorithm. And so that's kind of my strategy. That's what I did there. And so that book probably sells two copies a day. And right now I think I have it at um, you know $6, something like that. So a 70% royalty is, it's not much money. Um, and so for every, every month, that book is not bringing in a lot of money. Um, the second book that I published, The Architect and Entrepreneur, that book sells close to 15 copies a day, between 10 and 15 copies a day. Wow. That book is priced at you know, $10 a copy, roughly, um, $9.99, so that I'm you know, open to the 70% royalty on that, and so that's $7 for every, every digital copy that's sold. And so if you do the math on that, that's, that's not bad yeah. every that's that's a pretty good take for every year. And that's like twenty five yeah. grand a year. More um, than more than the hundred dollars out of pocket. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Not bad. It's, so there's yeah. there's your incentive, guys. There's your incentive to do this. It's less than a hundred bucks uh, a month of your time, and and passive income for the rest of your life. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, yeah, you have I, to go back and maintain it and yeah. update it and keep marketing it in order for that to happen. But um, once it's out there it starts making money for you. And if you want to, if you want to talk about, if you want to learn more about passive income, go back to episode 89, uh, com slash episode 89. We talked all about passive income, including books. Um, but this is a, this is one of those tools that you can invest some time and some, some effort and some pain to get yourself together a, a book about a thing that you know all about. Uh, and you can have this, this ongoing passive income that, uh, that just, you know, puts, hundred dollar bills in your pocket every month. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. Every day. <laughs> yeah. 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 So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's worth doing. Um, so let's, let's wrap up the, uh, we'll do marketing and we'll do, um, sort of the effects of the book. Why, you know, what are the benefits of doing this other than the income? Um, because I'm, I'm assuming that there's, there's some uh, some influence in the profession that comes along with this that you be perceived as an expert in these subjects. Yeah. Um, it helps market your firm, helps you get noticed because now you have these tools out there that are generating some some uh, some marketing benefits from that. Mm -hmm. uh, so let's talk about that in the next uh, episode, the next session of the field guide series, yes. and um, and we'll wrap it with that. Do you have any last uh, final thoughts on this subject on the on the the front end of books. I mean, it's it's a deep subject, Mark, as you pointed out, and I feel like um, you know j just the writing part of it is <laughs> is the fifty percent mark. Obviously, um, you know, you, there's a lot of marketing that part of self publishing. A huge part of self publishing is the marketing aspect. Um, but as you were mentioning, you know, the the idea of you know why you would write a book. If you think about the word authority, you know, author is the root of that word. And so, I think there's so many great great reasons to write a book. And and to and self publishing is a huge opportunity for for architects to you know further influence and ideas in the world. And I'm it's something I'm really excited about. It's something I continue to do. Um, and so that should tell you that it, that it is a definitely a passive income earning opportunity um, that I believe in and that does really work. Um, so I'm working on, you know, volume two of Architect and Entrepreneur. I've been in, you know, my business has been functioning for a couple of years now. I've learned a lot since I wrote, um, you know, the first, the first volume. And so volume two really looks at exploring um, these hacks that I've come up with for, you know, finding new frameworks for earning revenue. And I think there's some really exciting things that I talk about in the book, some concepts that are much higher level um, than, than volume one and really walk people from just opening a business, the basics of opening a business, to taking it to the next level and really exploring where architectural practice is heading today. I think it's, I'm really excited about the possibilities for small firm architects um, like myself and I've been happy to have been the guinea pig um, and, and to sort of pioneer some of these ideas and techniques. And um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping to launch the book sort of middle of next month. So I hope people will be, uh, will be on board to, to read it and, and learn from, the, from my experiments. No, you're, you're an inspiration, Eric. I, I appreciate you uh, sharing your knowledge here.
sharing your knowledge in your books. Um, your studio is 30 by 40 design workshop. Uh, your world on the internet is 30by40.com spelled out. Uh, you're on Twitter and active on Twitter at Eric Reinholdt. That's a T at the end. So it's uh, E-R-I-C-R-E-I-N-H-O-L-D-T, Eric Reinholdt. Nice. Um, so look for his new book coming in a month or so, and uh, you'll definitely hear about it through uh, Entrepreneur Architect as well. Um, Eric, thanks for your dedication to the profession and sharing your knowledge here at the Entree Architect podcast. Happy to do it, Mark. Uh, good talk with you. So I think that was a great episode with Eric Reinholdt. He shared so much about putting together his books and, and how to do it step-by-step, step, filled with information. Uh, you can check out the show notes at entrearchitect.com slash episode 97. I'll have all the links to everything we talked about in this episode there. And don't forget to send me your audio file. Share what you know. Answer this question. What is the one thing that you did this year to improve your business, your leadership, or your life? Record that answer and send it to support at entrearchitect.com. I appreciate you guys so much. If you want to leave a review for this show, you can go to iTunes. EntreeArchitect.com slash iTunes is a nice handy link that I'll send you over there. You can leave me a review and a rating and tell me what you think. That helps the show get noticed by other entrepreneur architects and helps us keep growing and be more and more influential in the profession. I appreciate you for listening and all the support and encouragement. Please send me your audio files. My name is Mark Arlapage and I am an entrepreneur architect and I encourage you to share what you know. See you next week. mentioned it to my family but in terms of telling people like oh yeah we're doing this i'm looking for projects you got anything yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me dreaming of launching your own architecture firm well, well buckle up for a wild ride with emerging the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm where do we begin we don't even know what type of business to formalize as is it an llc is it an llp like how are taxes i mean the list is astronomical <laughs> Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that <laughs> then you know in your head you've rooted like oh I'm connected to these people like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome, and I think it's it's so real. To this day, I, I I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like, us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh my the one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. 
It's not just a podcast. It's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is going to be a priority. When the job is done, we're going to actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. <laughs> so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.